Welcome to the Clear Brand Academy podcast, where we take the mystery out of marketing and help you get more leads and sales with a clear brand and proven marketing tactics. I'm your host, Alexander Toth. Today, we are continuing our marketing myths series. Last week, we talked about loyalty and why loyalty is not a thing. Go listen to that. We shared also how to uh, grow your company with the truth about loyalty. Today, we're going to do the same thing with relationships. Everyone's talking about building a relationship with your customers from Seth Godin to Donald Miller. Now, there's benefits to this. It works, but not for the reason these folks think it works. So today, we're going to talk about what is attractive about this myth, what is the truth, and what can you do with the truth. There's a lot of reasons why relationships and building relationships with your customers, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the base level reason is we understand it. The world of marketing is like the Wild West. Everything's changing all the time. There's no rules. Anyone can do whatever they want and pretend like it works or it doesn't. Share their opinions and they can get a lot of followers this way. And talking about a relationship we all understand relationships. So suddenly, instead of just having this kind of ethereal marketing, right? you can't touch marketing, you can't pick it up. But a relationship, now that's something I understand. I've experienced a relationship. And so when someone says to me, you can build a relationship with your customers, I immediately think, oh my goodness, it's true. I know relationships and I can do that. I can build a relationship with my customers. It's great. I think that's part of why it's so attractive. But I've never seen any data back this up. In fact, when we review our, quote, relationships with our customers, what we find is the entire idea of the sales funnel is called into question. Right. And, and this is what a funnel is, by the way. A, a sales funnel, the idea, no matter how it's talked about, whether it's a funnel or uh, whatever else, we're pushing people through a relationship. So we visualize a funnel and up at the top, we have people who have just barely met us. And then the next level down, they're getting to know us a bit. And then the next level down, they're committing. And we can call these things a number of different things, attract, delight, engage. Uh, We can go from curiosity to enlightenment to commitment. There's all sorts of ways that we can break this down. Facebook, in their ads, they even separate the types of ads into which part of the relationship we're talking about. Now, I think that's a huge benefit of the idea of a customer relationship. It gives us this comfort and this clarity I can now target a specific point in the customer journey. The problem is it's wrong. So in this one, what I'm about to share with you, I do not mean for all of us to throw out the idea of a relationship. I don't want us to throw out the idea of curiosity, enlightenment, commitment, or however we're going to talk about those stages. They are useful, even if they're inaccurate. So we're going to today go into, well, what's the truth here? And then how do we use these terms and this idea 
in a way that actually reflects what is true. So going to the data that we've been collecting, because we're data-driven, right? Even, and this is the hard thing about being data-driven. Sometimes the data conflicts with the things that we've already accepted. This happens in the medical world all the time, all the time. Some new research comes out, some new study comes out that clearly disproves something from the past. And it takes 10 to 20 years for the medical community to accept the new research. And they go through and they do it again and again and again, and they argue with it, regardless of how clear it is up front. Now, I could, I could go down some of these medical studies. We're going to keep this pretty focused here. But if you look at history, this has happened over and over. And so what I'm about to share is, is data-driven, and it just might take a little bit to accept. As we review our own data, what we have found is 28% of people who become sales-qualified leads go through more than one stage of the relationship. 72% don't. So 72% of sales-qualified leads come to our website and then fill out a form or schedule a call directly with the salesperson without engaging in any other steps that would be along the lines of taking them through these relationship steps. So all of these marketing gurus out there are talking about you have to build this relationship. I've even talked about this. You got to take somebody from just meeting you, having the ability to go on a date with you, building trust, sending them value, and then they'll think about closing. Now, the reason why I don't want to throw that idea out is because we still have 28% who are doing that. And so, if we stop all of these things, if we stop providing value and all of these things, we're going to lose 28%, potentially lose 28% of our leads. Now, I'm saying potentially because we haven't done the research. So it might be possible that they were just kind of killing time while they made their decision and that some or all of that 28% would have booked a call anyway. That's a possibility. We don't know. What we do know is that 72% did not go through curiosity, enlightenment, commitment. They did not go through attract, delight, engage. Whatever steps we want to call this, they landed on the site and within a few minutes had booked a call. Sometimes they view more than one page. Sometimes they just go straight to the schedule a call page and they either fill out the form to engage with our sales team or they book a call with a salesperson. 72%. Now, I'm talking about the, the lack of data with relationships, right? Well, we do have data about something else though. 
And that is what we would call mental real estate. There's plenty of data about this. And I think that this fills in the gaps that are missing in our data about relationships. If we are clear that 72% do not engage in a relationship, they go straight to a page and then book a call. 28% do, but we're not sure if they needed to. That's interesting to me. Now, mental real estate, let's talk about this for a second, because like I said, I think this fills in the gaps. Mental real estate is the idea that the more space you take up in somebody's brain, the more likely they are to buy from you. What does that look like? Well, let's first talk about something, a physical good, because this is much easier to think about. If you go to a a grocery store and you're going to buy let's say, a Gatorade. And that grocery store doesn't carry Gatorade. You can't buy Gatorade. And you can fill in Gatorade with anything because this is part of how companies grow is you have, in order to grow, if you're a physical good, you have to increase your physical availability. If you're not physically available, people will not buy from you because they can't, right? If you go to Whole Foods and an option of coffee that you really like isn't there, you're, I mean, in the, in the online world, you might go online and buy it or you might just pick up something on, off the shelf, which is why shelf space is such a massive strategy for physical goods. So now let's think about mental space in that same way. If somebody goes to buy something that you sell and you're not on their mental shelf, they're not going to buy from you. So we want to be taking up mental real estate. We want to be on those mental shelves within their mind. Now, mental shelves function kind of similar and kind of different to physical shelves. So a physical shelf at a store, it's broken up kind of by topic, right? Okay, I want sparkling water. I'm going to go to the sparkling water section. I want produce. I'm going to go to the produce section, right? And they're going to look for your product in the section that it belongs in. Makes sense. With our mental real estate, what we do is we connect products and services with problems and uses. Let me say that again. We connect products and services with problems and uses. So ibuprofen, for example. Ibuprofen solves the problem of pain. So people aren't really walking around thinking about ibuprofen all day, looking for an opportunity to take some ibuprofen. But when they're in pain, they think, oh, I need something to solve my pain. Okay, I've got, what do I have in the house? I've got Tylenol and ibuprofen. And they're going to use one of those two, right? So that's how a product solves a problem. But it's not only problems that products are solving. There's also the use of something. I love San Pellegrino. And there isn't a problem here. I could drink plain water all day. I have no problem with plain water, but I really love San Pellegrino. 
So it's not solving a problem for me, but there's a use here. So I, I, I get thirsty and in, in my thirst, I'm thinking, okay, I could go get some water. I could get some San Pellegrino. There's this use here. Similar to a new TV, right? You can go, if you have a broken TV, that's a problem, but the TV serves a use more than it does a problem. And this is how almost all luxury goods function. Luxury goods tend to not solve problems as much as they do just serve uses. So in a person's head, if we're going to map out their mental real estate, they have sections, kind of like sections of a grocery store, and the sections of the mental real estate are devoted to problems and uses. Now, in our minds, because our mind, our, our brain burns 20% of the calories of our entire body. I, the last I, I checked, I think it takes up something like 5% of the weight, but it burns 20% of the calories. I mean, that's insane. So your brain is burning calories like crazy and your body and brain know that one of the best ways to stay alive is to burn less calories. So what this means for the mental real estate is we have far less options in our mental real estate than we do at a grocery store. If I go to the pain section in my brain, there aren't dozens of possible options like there might be at the pharmacy. There's probably two, maybe three options. Now, what research shows is that bigger companies, they are within more mental sections of a larger population. So there was research done in Turkey on Coca-Cola versus Cola Turca. So, I mean, basically the same thing. And Cola Turca is sitting here trying to differentiate themselves. It is the Turkish beverage. And again, this is, we could do a whole podcast on the myth of differentiation, but Cola Turca's differentiated themselves like crazy, right? If you are Turkish and you like being Turkish, you should drink Cola Turca. But Cola Turca sells far less than Coca-Cola. And researchers went through and they identified a whole bunch of possible uses for Coca-Cola and Cola Turca. So I drink it on a hot day. Uh, something, so that's option, you know, there's one possible use. Another possible use is something to increase my energy. Uh, another possible use is something to share with a friend. And they go through and they surveyed tons of people on Coca-Cola and Cola Turca on which of these possible options each of them is in their mind. And Cola Turca, 67%, if I remember the numbers right, 67% had zero associations for Cola Turca. But almost everybody had associations for Coca-Cola. In fact, I believe that there was 12 possible associations and almost no one had all 12 for Cola Turca and there was still a decent percentage, I think around 10% that had all 12 associations for Coca-Cola. 
So what that means is Coca-Cola is taking up far more mental real estate than Cola Turca. And this is true of all big brands. And so it's hard in a situation like this to truly identify, to truly identify causation. Do they take up more mental real estate because they're a big brand or are they a big brand because they take up mental real estate? It is far more likely that they became a big brand by taking up more mental real estate, by devoting ad dollars to taking up more mental real estate. This idea of if you build it, will they come? It just isn't true. Or if you build it, they will come. It's not true. You've got to build it. And then you've got to tell people where in their mind this belongs. And the goal is to increase the mental real estate as much as possible. Give people more and more reasons to think about your product. One of the ways that you can do this for yourself, you can brainstorm based on a few, ask a few questions. First, when would somebody possibly want to buy your product or enjoy your product or use your product? Where would they want to use your product? With whom would they want? Questions like this are going to build out possible mental real estate for you to target in your ads. Now, depending on the size of your company and the limits of your budget, you might want to focus on one for a little bit and then a second later and then a third later. If you're a bigger company, it would make sense to devote your budget to more of these options. But if you're, if you're going to want to grow, this is a massive part of your strategy, taking up more mental real estate. Now, for more information about this, I highly recommend How Brands Grow Part 2. It's by Byron Sharp and Jenny Romaniak. I'm, I'm sure that I'm messing up the name. Um, I'm so sorry, Jenny. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. But How Brands, Group, How Brands Grow Part 2 dives deep into this if you want more uh, data and explanations around this. Now, Going back to our original topic of relationships, the reason why I don't think we should throw out the idea of relationships as a whole, building a relationship with our customers, is because it is a great way to take up more mental real estate. If you go through these steps and you do something like create a landing page, uh, a lead magnet that we're giving to our customers for free, uh, then we send them emails. What are we doing? We're Well, we're more than building a relationship, what we're actually doing is taking up more mental real estate. And if you think about a way that the relationship works, you spend more time together. And by nature of that, you think about that person more often. If you're married, you're thinking about your spouse all the time. You're never thinking about somebody who you don't know. And this is why I still like the idea of relationships, but I think that we need to tweak the way that we approach it. So as we're building out landing pages, and I got to tell you, Silicon Valley companies are fantastic at this. When they build out landing pages, they are building landing pages based on use and based on problems. I was today just going through uh, and comparing project management software. 
And I cannot believe the number of landing pages that these companies have that are devoted to specific uses. They're selling one thing, right? A a Silicon Valley company like Asana or Teamwork or Monday.com, it's one thing. It's one platform. And they're using their landing pages and blogs to expand the use so that no matter how you're thinking about using this product or this program, you can find that use on their site. But the other fantastic thing is as you explore their websites, you're coming across one use after another use after another use. So that's all fantastic strategy, and that's before we even collect an email address. In fact, I didn't see these companies really offering lead magnets. That's not a huge push that I saw uh, as I was going through these software companies. Now, I'm not making general statements. I'm not saying that you should avoid lead magnets. What I'm saying is it seemed clear to me that these companies had prioritized focusing on uses rather than the relationship. That's mental real estate. Now, I still think lead magnets are great because they collect email addresses. And email addresses are great because they allow you to email people. Now you're in their inbox. You can send them emails that help to demonstrate a number of uses. Those emails now can expand the mental real estate. And so I think this is the shift that I would recommend. If you're thinking about building a relationship with your customers, I would start thinking a little bit less about the relationship itself and more about the mental real estate. Now we're going to expand the mental real estate through the same activities that would be included in building a relationship, but it's going to shift your focus a little bit. Instead of putting out a lead magnet for the sake of having a lead magnet, now you're going to put out a lead magnet. And the idea here is to clearly demonstrate at least one use of your services. Potentially, the the lead magnet might cover dozens, depending on how you go about writing the lead magnet. It could be 13 ways to do X, Y, or Z. And these are all different ways that somebody could, for example, use a project management software. And now what we're doing is we're taking up more mental real estate. Still keep sending emails, but instead of focusing on convincing someone to trust you, focus on the uses or the problems that your product or service can solve. That will expand the mental real estate that you're taking up in your prospects' minds. And that, that is actually, in my opinion, and again, the research on this is few and far between, but I believe that this is why the idea of building relationships feels like it works. It's because the people who are talking about that are accidentally expanding mental real estate, and that's what's working. So as you move forward with your marketing, my recommendation here is to, instead of accidentally expanding mental real estate, start doing it intentionally. Make a list of problems your your product and service solves and the uses that your product and service can help with and focus in on those. Use an email sequence to demonstrate those things and expand the mental real estate as your focus rather than the relationship. 
Thanks for listening to the Clear Brand Academy podcast, where we take the mystery out of marketing and help you get more leads and sales with a clear brand and proven marketing tactics. If you liked this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to outsource your marketing to our team, go to clearbrand.com.